I'm the guy who does his job. You must be the other guy. <laughs> the Departed is next. All right, welcome into episode 13 of the Movie Goats podcast. And today we have for The Departed, 2006 movie from Scorsese. John on the mic, as always, joined by Brian and Brady. And before we get into the Rolling Stones and if Marky Mark stole the movie, uh, we got to check in with the fellas. So, Brady, what's what's been going on, man? How uh, how's summer been for you? That's a very, that, that's a broad question. We just switched over. I went from what's going on to how's the entire summer. I can't speak to that at the moment. I, I'm, I'm distracted. I'm distracted because uh, I was on a little jog just before recording, and I came across on my street. My street is 25 miles per hour. That's the that's the top speed you're supposed to go. And there's just a car flipped over. I, I rounded the corner. It wasn't there when I started my run. When I got back, six ambulances and a car is completely flipped upside down. I don't know the math, the arithmetic that would cause a car to be able to get that fast and that short of a distance. Um, it's almost like you're watching like an 80s car chase scene, like where like things are set up specifically to allow for a car to flip over off like a, like a hidden ramp. But um, thoughts, our thoughts are with whoever flipped that car. <laughs> I think they're fine. Everyone seemed there didn't seem like there was like mayhem. It's uh, but because again, I don't know how you could go that fast on such a small stretch of road. But um, yeah, definitely, it took me by surprise. It made me feel like I was living in a movie for just a little, a brief moment. Definitely, uh, Brian. What's going on with you? Not too much. So I was just gonna say, Brady. I feel like not to sound like uh, I don't know the old man that I am, but. I feel like traffic cops are just like nowhere to be found these days. Like at least in my area, everybody's speeding. I'm like the slowest person on the road. I, I don't get it. Like, you know, but uh, anyways, um, not much going on on my end. I had a good weekend. I finally got out to the theater and saw Barbie uh, with my wife. It was uh, fantastic. I think Greta Gerwig is a real talent. She's shown so much range in her first few movies that she's directed. Um, and I've actually always been a fan of hers um, way back. I guess um, she's married to Noah Baumbach and uh, they did a movie called Greenberg with Ben Stiller. And she is like the lead actress in it. And she was terrific in that movie. Um, and it's kind of cool to see her like become this great director, too. And Barbie was just the only way I can describe it is it was a, a fun ride and I enjoyed it. So, uh, yeah, it was a that started my weekend on a very high note. Um, and then after that, uh, it was all right. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. But Barbie, Barbie was great. Right on. Yeah, Barbie. Barbie was fantastic. Definitely looking forward to watching that one again. Uh, so let's get into The Departed. Uh, doing a little research, I did not realize that this was Scorsese's only Oscar win for best yeah, director. That's the, that's the infamous narrative. That's the beauty. Have you never seen the uh, when he won the award? I had all the, all the boys got on stage with him. You got like Lucas, um, is it Lucas Coppola and uh, Spielberg? Are those the three guys that are on the stage? Which they didn't know he was going to win because obviously the the awards are sealed. So like if Scorsese hadn't won best director would have been awkward, <laughs> would have been a tense moment. All the boys are up there to hit, like to get pat him on the back. And it's just like, 
someone else. It was a strange year for nominees, though. I mean, I, I don't think it's a hot take to say that it had less competition that year. Um, I remember the nominees are like Babel, Letters from Iwo Jima, and some other movies that I don't even remember so, too well. The Little Miss Sunshine, Little, Little Miss Sunshine, and the Queen are the other yeah. uh, best. Yeah. There was Little Miss Sunshine was beloved that year. I do remember that, but I mean. I don't know if it was best picture material completely. And then also um, one that didn't get nominated was I think uh, children of men, the Alfonso Cuaron movie. I think that came out that year too. That movie's great. I'm actually, I think it's a shame that it didn't get nominated, whether it should have been best picture. I don't know about that, but it wasn't even nominated. So I guess we'll never know. Yeah. I mean, so when we're talking about Scorsese, we're talking about a guy who's had decades of success. It's just, it's weird to me that this was his only Oscar win because this is not a movie when I think Scorsese, I think The Departed right away. I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? Well, I think it depends. I think for the for the average moviegoer, probably it's probably his most recent big hit other than Wolf of Wall Street. Um, but I guess maybe like the movie heads, Goodfellas will pop up into mind. But I think this is like if you were watching USA Network for like a 15 year period, this was on regular rotation. So I feel like a lot of people have seen this movie multiple times on rewatch because it's clearly a movie that you can kind of just rewatch over and over again, in my opinion. I um, I'm going to jump in there mentioning that it like was on USA or something like that. That's a shame because the edited version just doesn't do it justice. I think that this movie is in the cursing hall of fame. There is some outstanding foul language in this movie that I, I think it's not the same without it. Yeah. I, I think the number there's like 200 plus F words in it. Um, although I do, so it's kind of funny. Scorsese now has this reputation. I guess he always had since Goodfellas probably of using the F bomb because I know, uh, I think Wolf of Wall Street broke the record as the most F-bombs used in a movie. So, um, But this Departed was slowly getting up there to uh, the number they achieved in, in Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, I mean, I, also just the delivery. I don't know. There's something about a, a Northeasterner, a Boston, a Bostoner. The way they cuss is just hilarious to me. And, um, you know... He got his second guy, Leo. De Niro's not in this one, but Scorsese's second guy, Leo. And this is our first Leo movie. Um, we want to talk about where, where he came from and the fact that he basically only works with Tarantino, Scorsese, these big-time directors, and, and can like pick his projects right now. And Brady, I know that you think that... Uh, the kids these days are saying that Chalamet might be might be the next Leo, but I I think he's I think he's got a leg up there. I think he's kind of like a one in a million actor. No, no well, let, let's put this in context. Um, I think I'm going to accuse you of something. I think you're it's the classic. You watched Dune recently, and you're texting me, and you said Chalamet doesn't have the X factor. Would I say that Chalamet is as good as Leo? A um, little early to say, I don't believe that, but I think Chalamet is a really solid actor. He's got Riz. He's got that X factor. The girls love him. The boys want to be him. He's what they like. You're an older guy. You're older than Chalamet. 
you have fallen prey to the the younger guy isn't a hunk. You were like Chalamet's not hot. Chalamet's as hot as it comes right now. He's the number one guy. He's a he's the guy that ha- he's the cock of the walk. So when you say and I'm so my my equation would be that's like Leo during Titanic when he was babyface. He's a little boy. He has that little like really super thin body. You know that's Chalamet. Now do I think I saw the trailer for Wonka. Don't know if that's going to get Chalamet Oscars. But that said, <laughs> I think that there is a similar trajectory where, you know, Leo started on Growing Pains. That's where I first saw him when I was a kid. You know, that and then like a, a few What's Eaten Gilbert Grapes when I watched it on TBS one day and got like little that 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 movie was pretty heavy watch for me at that time. Um, but I think yeah, people forget he was like a child actor that kind of came through the Hollywood system. And now he's become a legendary status. Because I think what sets Leo apart from everyone else is he he has impeccable taste. A lot of his peers kind of fell off, like such like like a Tobey Maguire, who is one of his best friends, and they you know they came up there in the same time period. He kind of got in the Spider Man realm, obviously. But Leo chose I want to work with the best directors. So I, honestly, the best equation would be he's very similar to Tom Cruise. When Tom Cruise was young, he picked only the best directors to work with. And now Tom Cruise basically runs his productions. I don't know if Leo's the same way. I think Leo's more um, still likes to work with the great directors, but I'll be interested to see what happens as he gets older and he can't play like the hunk anymore. I'll just say Chalamet is 27. Leo made Titanic at 20. Like Leo, Leo. Wait, had, 27? Yeah. He's 27 years old. Like, That's mind blowing. And then you know Leo can do the um, uh, the basketball diaries and what's he in Gilbert Grape and it's like these dark stuff. I just I don't know. I think that he was Timothy Chalamet. So you're you're forgetting the what was the movie with Timothy Chalamet where he had the uh, the heroin addiction with Steve Carell? Uh, like what was oh. it like my my precious boy? What was it called? Oh, okay, yeah, but what I well well hang on hang on. Call me by your name is like Chalamet's. That's his best performance. And that's why Chalamet even gets brought into the conversation of, is this guy as good as Leo? Is because of that movie. That movie's great. Call Me By Your Name. Yeah. And, and then, Lady Bird. Yeah, that's true. And then I would say, I, I mean, I liked him in Dune. I feel like he showed some range. I don't think, I mean, Chalamet at 27 has not done what DiCaprio has, had done at 27. I mean, Chalamet does not have a Titanic in his repertoire yet, but he's... He's I mean, I think he's Dune was great. I think Dune was fantastic. I was just saying, I, I don't, I think Leo's a once in a generation talent to be clear, Agreed. but, and I think ultimately it's his taste that sets him apart. He picks really good projects. Um, but I just thought I had to throw it out there. You were clearly just going after him because he was the young hunk. You, he was the young stud and you were a little jealous that you're not as young as you used to be. You know, I know you're, I know I'm, I'm putting you on blast. I know you're on a new diet. You gotta, you gotta get thin again. Chalamet don't have to get on a diet. He's just naturally still thin. He's 27. He's still got it. That's all I'm saying. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm a hater. I'll hand up. I'm a hater. But yeah, so we have Scorsese working with the generational talent that is Leo DiCaprio. And Is is he in a league in his own, though? I think, I mean, I think he is in... I don't think there's anybody like him at his age. I think Matt Damon is a comparable, but I think Leo is literally the the greatest actor probably of the last 40 or 30. How old is he? Whoa. He's, Whoa. Well, he's like, he's a star in the sense that I, I think 
few people that will open like not everyone's going to see any movie matt damon's in i feel like leo because he has such a great track record people will see whatever leo's next movie is now it doesn't hurt that it's usually like a martin scorsese or a tarantino movie but you know yeah i mean that's too broad of a statement I mean, he's not the, i'm just thinking how old he is and how long his career has been but i mean i feel like his comparable if you had one might be like is more like a Harrison Ford. They do different kinds of movies, obviously. Harrison Ford, a little bit more action-oriented. But I feel like Leo, for the last 20 to 25 years, has been the, the guy. I mean, I don't... I think he is the biggest star. That, well, that's why I think... My, 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 I think my, the true equivalent is Cruise. The difference is, in his 50s, Cruise just focused solely on action movies because, you know, Cruise, you know, he got his start kind of... Not his start, but he worked with Scorsese early in his career in Color of Money... And he was, you know, on the come up. And I think, but the difference is he was like bouncing around with more directors because I think there was a little bit more auteurs working, you know, that the system now is kind of set up where if you have a small indie hit now, then you get put in some franchise machine uh, as a director, you know, and you have like one indie and then you're immediately making a Marvel movie or a DC or, a, you know, another franchise. So it's kind of harder to create a new Scorsese the way we have now. Yeah. I know I, I might as well jump right into it while we're on the Leo topic. Brady, I don't I don't want to stress you out with like a ranking question or anything like that, but who had the best performance in this movie? I think I'll say it. I, I was thinking about it because I think there's a lot of hot takes to be had because there's so many standouts. I think no the only as the one role that I think no one else could have done, no one period could have touched, it's Jack Nicholson. He plays a role that I think I think he's underrated. I don't think people think about him as much. He is one I think he's one of my favorite actors because he has such a unique presence that only he, even like the rat scene apparently you know when he does like that he makes like the noise and the rat that that was improvised like that's that's nuts. Even I actually I read the screenplay for this a, a while back and it won the best screenplay Oscar and I was taken by the dialogue in the script doesn't necessarily pop the way you think it would it was a lot of it is performance like all the just the delivery the guys make guys make bland lines in a script they're making it iconic but with nicholson's doing i feel like he's another worldly presence he's doing something that i can't imagine a single other person bringing to the table what he does in this movie that that's a really good point uh the physical things that he's doing right like you said the the the, the teething rat thing the um the way he like when when uh he hits Leo's arm with the boot, uh asking him if he's still a cop, if he's gonna do coke deals with his cousin, and then he like hand, hand, like throws the cash at him. He's doing a lot of like great physical stuff in that. Um he yeah. Well, it's <laughs> tough for me not to say Wahlberg because like I love Mark Wahlberg. I do. But he's going up against, in pretty much every scene, he's like either going up against Damon or DiCaprio or Jack um, or Baldwin. And he is just owning it. He just owns every scene he's in. You can't take your eyes off Wahlberg. But you're right, Brady. Like, maybe Ben Affleck could pay that play that role or like you know so are someone. you fucking with me are you, are you doing this again this is like when you I I I I, I hate to say I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna air you out Brian when the, I texted John this I think yesterday the hottest take we've ever had on the pod was when you said that Bradley Cooper could do what Brad Pitt did 
in Inglorious Bastards. That was the most insane take. And I and I'm again, I think Bradley Cooper is a tremendous actor. That's just not something that he has in his repertoire. I don't know where where that's coming off of. And the idea that somebody else could, I don't know. There's a, there, there, there's there, there's takes getting thrown around. I mean, it's obviously it's well, tough to say any actor can do any role. Obviously, every performance is its own thing. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm sure you're aware of the big casting what if that was Jack Nicholson, who they originally, who Scorsese wanted to play the role first. Because Nicholson, I thought, no, I thought it was the Martin Sheen. They wanted De Niro for the Martin Sheen role. No, no, no. They wanted your boy Al Pacino to to play Frank Costello. Oh they wanted De Niro for the Sheen role, which I remember when this came out in 2006. I was like a big De Niro guy. He was my number one guy, and I was like so disappointed. And now I'm like, no one else could have done what Sheen did. But now that you're saying Pacino and the Nicholson, he's the only one that would have the same kind of chaotic energy, but it would be a wholly different performance. Yeah. And also, also I mean, he can't play the Irish thing. Yeah, I think it's he that Nicholson's Irish. It's an Irish gangster, right? I mean, I don't know. Like maybe like David Duvall. Like I'll throw that name out there, I guess. But Robert Duvall? Robert Duvall. Yeah, like, sorry, David Duvall, the golfer. Yeah, him. No, Robert <laughs> Duvall. I mean. I just don't, I, I, I don't, I just, Nicholson's one of my all-time guys. And if you look, and he's another guy like, you know, he's very similar to Leo where he has fantastic taste. If you look back at his filmography, there's a lot more hits than misses, which most actors, even like the greats, there's a lot of misses. And he's a guy that worked often and he worked with great directors and he just, and he's, he's one of those guys that I think people, they're like, oh, he's the same thing in every movie. One, they don't, that's what a great movie star is. They take their movie star, you know, role and they make it work for this certain movie. Now in this one, he's doing something I hadn't seen where he's like, like after my favorite moment, maybe for him might be after he does the whole like heavy lies, the crown speech. And then he says, you should eat, you got to eat. And then he leaves and then he's just behind Leo and he's like messing with him and like putting his finger up to be quiet. And he's just like, just doing physical performance. And it's just so funny. I'm like, there's, it's just bizarre and it's kind of thing where nobody he create he just makes moments out of non-moments and i think that's the testament of a really good direct good actor and especially in a way that's not taking you out of the movie i never felt like i'm being taken out of the movie by it either yeah so i mean i brady i i think that jack nicholson was great in this movie i do think that that is not like a universal agreed upon take there are a lot of people who i think have issues with nicholson's performance in this and it is what, whoa, 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 whoa. A lot of people, this is a take I've never heard. Okay. I mean, the fact that this movie got nominated for so many different things and Jack Nicholson did not get nominated, I think is pretty telling that people were not totally in love with Nicholson's performance. The I don't agree with that at all. I think that's not one you're using word. Uh, the Oscars is, as, as a barometer for anything. Clearly that there, I mean, Scorsese <laughs> had to work for, 35, 40 years before he got his Oscar. That's irrelevant. I think it's the similar situation as in Glorious Bastards where Nicholson's been around so long that people kind of, they don't know what they they have until they lose it. Now that he's not acting, he's retired. I think that he's just such a perennial. You kind of expect him to give a powerhouse performance uh, in the similar That's way. That's why he didn't get nominated. I'm just, I'm just saying. It, I mean, I'm just saying. You can't just say that nominated. was like, I've never heard somebody say this take that, Jack Nicholson gave a poor performance in this. It's belo- It's a generally beloved. I, I do. I mean, the. I don't know. I, I the fact that he didn't get nominated, I think, means something. That's all I'm saying. It's nothing. I'm not, I will say this right now. Awards mean nothing. 
Awards not, mean nothing. They never mean anything. Okay, I'm, I'm not arguing with you. I agree that his performance was amazing. I'm just saying I don't know if that is a universal take. That's all I'm saying. And my personal take is that Leo, like, I thought that his performance was the best in the movie. To me, he was the MVP. I thought he was incredible. I think it's hard for somebody who is not from Boston to go up against the Wahlbergs and to go up against the Matt Damons and really carry your weight. And I mean, his performance, But he wasn't nominated. He wasn't nominated. So what does that mean? Because he was nominated for blood diamond. They weren't going to nominate him for two performances in the same year. I will say this. Maybe Blood Diamond was a better performance than this one. He's got. They say that. They say that in Blood Diamond, he gave the best South African accent in the history of movies is in Blood Diamond. That's what they tell me. I don't know any. uh, I actually uh, met a South African. Scorching hot takes, Brady. That's two episodes in a row where I think we're just we're not seeing eye to eye. Well, you just say. Here's my thing: is I'm saying everyone's great. You're like, like people don't like Nicholson's performance, and I am. I am drenched in the movie conversation. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I've been on, you know, I've seen film Twitter and I've never in history have heard somebody say Jack didn't, Jack had a bad performance in this movie. It's well regarded. I don't know. The fact that it wasn't nominated means zilch. And I think the reason Wahlberg was the one that was nominated is because up until this point, no one had really taken him seriously. And then they were surprised he gave such a great role. And then after this, you'll notice his movie choices become a little bit more better. He's not just doing the action hunk roles because he proved himself. I think proving yourself kind of leads yourself to be more, more actively getting nominations and stuff like that. I, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say that um, I think that no one could do what Jack did or Leo. I'm going to, I'm going to say both that both, both had to be those actors because Leo, some of his physical acting, like when he's having those panic attacks, you can like feel that like, you know, it's not even just the accent. Some of what he's he's going through where he's like losing his mind and um, his interactions with especially with Jack. Those are just insane. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, overall, I think that the that both are just phenomenal performances. That I, love agree. That. I love that scene where he's talking about how his heart is going a million miles an hour when he's talking to Costello but his hand is steady and it's something he noticed in jail. And like, I just, I don't know. I think that's really interesting. And you kind of like see how that would be like his thing in this movie where it's just utter chaos going on underneath, but like he's keeping it together, even though he looks like strung out at the same time. I mean, it is a, it's a wild performance. It's, I think it's amazing. I think it's one of Leo's best for sure. I think it's one of his best. I'll agree with that. I think my favorite of his Martin Scorsese performances is Wolf of Wall Street because I think the stuff he does in that is he's so funny in that movie. But I will, I'm going to shock the world and say my MVP for this movie is none of these people. I'm giving it to Thelma Schumacher, Scorsese's go to editor for his entire career. I feel like the editing in this movie is the most impressive part about it, especially like the first half. It feels like something like a movie I haven't like experienced before. Just the way that the, the, the inner cutting between scenes where multiple, like the, 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 the way that time works in this movie is really interesting and they'll have like conversations and you'll be cutting back and forth between two different conversations during different time periods. And they're like dissolving, cutting, obviously they're doing like, you know, the, the periscope and stuff like that zoomed out, but just like the way the pacing of this movie and how the uptempo-ness for how long it is, you don't feel its length. That's what I was most blown away by. That's that that was my big takeaway in this most recent rewatch. 
Yeah, I, I was about to say that. It, it doesn't feel like a Scorsese movie. It, at times it feels like there's like a Tarantino thing going on a little bit, but it is so chaotic. It feels like something like it feels like a bad movie that Netflix would produce now. Like, and I'm not saying Depart is a bad movie, but like, I feel like Netflix makes movies now that like just want to keep your attention and keep you off social media. That's kind of how The Departed is. It's just like a breakneck pace where they're just trying to keep your attention. I'm sitting there like writing notes down about this movie and like I can't take my eyes off the screen because so much is happening and it's moving so quickly and there's so many quick cuts and takes. The one thing that is really interesting about the editing is there are a lot of mistakes in this movie where like somebody will have a cigarette in their mouth, they'll cut away and they'll cut back and then the cigarette's gone. And you're like, that was, that was, it's clearly a mistake. But I think when you're dealing with people this talented, I think it's intentional. I almost felt like this is almost part of the movie. Like there, there are many times in this movie where somebody's like body will like, they'll, they'll flash back to them during a scene and during a conversation. And it's like, wait a minute, their whole body just like moved like six inches or like that cigarette is gone or something. Like, there's many times if you pay attention that I think it's kind of interesting, but I agree that the editing is amazing. Yeah, I mean, the editing is phenomenal, but what I love about this movie, and I've loved it, you know, for a really long time, is the music. Scorsese coming in strong again. Three Rolling Stones songs. I think he plays Gimme Shelter at least twice, if not three times. Shipping up to Boston twice. <laughs> I just, I mean, it... The, this is, this uh, movie actually introduced me to my favorite Rolling Stone song, which is Let It Loose, which is playing when Jack and Leo first meet at the bar and he breaks the cast. And it's just like such a like beautifully dramatic song. And to have this like crazy violent thing happening while it plays is just that's like the chef's kiss for me. I really love that. I agree. I mean, the other one is uh, Comfortably Numb. And the cool details that it's not even like the studio recording version, it's a live version of Comfortably Numb that you could tell that Scorsese is just a fan of, which is just so <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, Comfortably Numb with like the tension between Leo and um, the psychiatrist, that that was amazing too. Um and how about the soundtrack gets a shout out in The Sopranos? That's when uh, Christopher Moltisanti, he's driving Tony and he literally says, have you heard this yet, T? He's like, <laughs> this soundtrack like rips or something like that. And then, All right, so um, I did see something, you know, we were looking up, uh, was Jack, we were discussing the Jack Nichol- Nicholson thing, uh, and so I did Google, is Jack Nicholson good in The Departed? And there is a website out there that basically said Scorsese should have known better letting the actor do as he pleased, a mistake he's made several times with uh, master scenery chewer Robert De Niro in New York, New York, and The King of Comedy. So well, there's a good thing that we uh we 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 have a really someone with some great taste giving us this this anonymous um uh opinion <laughs> that you just randomly pulled from the internet. Is, um, uh, let's see if I can find who this person is. 
Andre... I'm just saying it is not a rare take. There is a take out there that certain there are. It's not me, and I'm not. I'm not defending these people. I'm just saying his performance is not universally liked. That's all I would say. So, I can say this. I've I've, I've got this because John's been pissing me off lately. I'm I'm gonna air some shit out. I'm I'm gonna do it. <laughs> um, every time I get in a slight tiff with John on text, he immediately says, "Well, that's just my opinion, man." No shit. I knew that was your opinion. That's why I disagreed with it. There can be objectively wrong opinions, and I'm just coming in hot. I'm just gonna say it. That maybe it's the I'm not. It's the Irish in me. The part got me fired up. Yeah. Guy, it has me thinking. I've had. I, I look for. There's got to be. If we can't accept that, there, it's it's assumed that there's differences of opinion. And I can tell you objectively, if somebody watches this movie and their takeaway is that Nicholson was lacking. They're lacking spiritually, emotionally. They're, they're, and I dare I say they're a bad person. And that's not even me coming in as a hot take. That, that's again an objectively correct take. And I can't back down from that. I got to stand that the, Nicholson's one of the gifts. We're lucky to be alive with an actor that's still around like this guy. And we have all his movies to go back all the way back to, you know, we can go all the way back to Easy Rider and we can enjoy all his movies from here to there. And I just that 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 my blood is boiling. I don't know if that's coming across right now. My blood is absolutely yeah. boiling right now at this stage. Well, no, Brady, Brady, I'm with you. I'm, I'm I love Jack Nicholson. I mean, The Shining is like one of my favorite movies of all time. His performance incredible. Cuckoo's Nest, you name it. I love Jack Nicholson. I, don't get me wrong there. And I think what you said earlier, I couldn't agree with more. There is not another Irish actor that could have played this role. I mean, I think Pacino could have done what he did. But I don't think it would have worked because Pacino's not Irish. But I agree with you on that front. Nobody else could have done what. Nick let's get let, let's Pacino. do let's do the let, let's do the Pacino switcherino right now. I think that's a great jumping off point because I, I I you know obviously I gave some thought. Um, and for for new listeners, the Al Pacino switcherino is where we take any role and it's Pacino Al Pacino uh, when this movie came out. So this is two thousand six. If you could cast him in any role, which would you like to see him play? The, we're not saying. We want him to be replaced. We just saying I'd love to see that movie where Al Pacino was switched out and gave a performance. Now, do you, does anyone have an immediate gut reaction? Did, did, did any of you guys immediately think there's one that you think that would make sense? Mm, Baldwin. That's interesting. I say my well, my I, I I thought about this for a minute because I didn't have an immediate gut reaction because I didn't even consider you know Pacino's my number one guy of all time. I don't think he could work in the Nicholson role in the same way. I think and I think Wahlberg gives a great performance. Al Pacino is Dignan because then it's a different dynamic. It's two old guys. It's Martin Sheen, the most lovable man of all time, and Pacino, old Pacino. Just going like this is an insomnia era Pacino. Just going for it. Just I could I think he could throw some zingers and maybe he would have gotten that best supporting actor nominee himself. Could you imagine uh, Pacino making a fart noise and then going, "What's the matter? You don't know any Shakespeare?" (laughs) (laughs) I think it would work. I think that's the one role where it like would be his energy matches perfectly for that. This Pacino switcherino is probably the most like appropriate one we've ever done because he turned down a role for this movie. But I think there are several roles he could have, he could have done. I think you guys are both on the right track with Baldwin. I think he definitely could have played what Wahlberg did. I think he could have been Costello. He could have been in the crew. I mean, this, this, this cast is just heavy hitters and Pacino is a heavy hitter himself. It almost feels like he should have been in this movie and he wasn't. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oof. Yeah. It's I funny because, like, when you think about, wait, uh, Pacino didn't work with um, Scorsese until The Irishman, which is kind of nuts when you think about it. They had, you know, for both of them kind of being around the similar age range, and obviously De Niro and him had that great relationship and still do. Um, and I think he was, he gives, he turns in one of the great Bozo performances in The Irishman, which here's a little sidebar about The Irishman, which is so funny. He's playing, um, uh, what's his name? The, gosh, the, 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 the Jimmy most Hoffa? famous. Yeah, Jimmy Hoffa. Sorry. Yeah, he's playing Jimmy Hoffa. And Jimmy Hoffa, like, disappeared when he was, like, in his 50s. And Pacino's playing him in his 70s. And they're obviously de-aging him or whatever. But the idea that they just cast a guy, like, De Niro, they're like, oh, we want him to play all the ages. Pacino's just playing him, like, in his 50s. <laughs> so he was just way too old. But they're like, ah, oh, we just want to get the boys together. So let's just do it. Why not? And he works. It totally works. That's incredible. Um, all right. So we've talked about some of these iconic performances. Um, Brady, we, you know, I discussed the, uh, this one guy, Andre Soares, shout out to him, who had the take that uh, Jack was too much in this movie. But his article went on to say that the real star was Vera Farmiga, Farmiga as the uh, psychiatrist. She's good. I mean, she's great. She's, great. she's fantastic. I Is think she? she? The only yeah. thing, she's the really only good. thing she missed on was her Boston accent. But other than that, she was she was really good. You know, at one point it did sound a little British, but I think it it played. She's from New I Jersey. Think, I looked it up. She's from New Jersey, so it's a, well. That's interesting. Uh, I think she was really, really solid. If to me, she I don't know. Is she is she Irish? I don't know if she is not. She comes across Boston. I believed it. I thought like she she's she's going against some big heavy hitters, you know. And I think uh, a guy we haven't really talked a lot about is Damon. I think Damon props to Damon who just turns in some fantastic performances time after time playing unlikable guys. You know, we talked about him in Interstellar where he plays like an absolute like loser. He did that. He did this recently in uh, the last duel. He turned in a performance similar vein to this where he's playing a totally hateable, unlikable guy, but he's also really funny to watch. And she and him, the dynamic they have is really interesting. She's like trying it's you've seen these are the kind of relationships where like she can't really get below the surface on him and she's trying to because he's like kind of he's the kind of guy that will make a joke before he wants to get serious about anything and they kind of have that great meet cute at the beginning where it's kind of almost like a rom-com where he's like you know in the elevator he's trying to charm her and whatnot and then you see her conversations with leo and there's a completely different energy and i like that like when she's arguing with him when he's like oh why don't i just put a gun in my mouth and like shoot kill myself and she's like you are you serious you play I buy all of it. I think she's really great. I mean, in the history of psychiatrists, maybe she's not a Dr. Melfi level, but like, I think it plays. I think it's like, you can tell she's out of her depth in some scenes and she's like vulnerable. And you believe that she would go to Leo because he's so, he's like a live wire. He's a, he's a raw nerve. He's totally authentic with her for the most part versus Damon, who always has a facade with her. And you can see that's why she's attracted to this guy who does not seem like the guy you want to be in a relationship with. Leo is so many red flags <laughs> popping up when she meets this guy. He's all he's all, he's a walking red flag, but he's you literally in jail for battery. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then she's just like, "Yeah, you can come into my apartment." <laughs> it works. But, I totally think it like the dynamic works, and it works because of her performance. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like 
but Damon has tons of red flags too throughout it. Like she's like, Oh yeah, I got these pictures of myself as a, as a kid. And he's like, Oh, don't put those up. I mean, and I think that like that's to, to the credit to Leo's performance and the screenplay. They don't overdo the moment where Leo sees the picture. He's not like, Oh, that's a great picture. He just looks at the picture and that's yeah. enough. That's to show yeah. that he's like, Oh, that's interesting, you know, but they don't overdo it. And I think that's a perfect kind of like threading the needle. Yeah. Where I feel like Leo's relationship with her is more real and it's more like, about feelings and it's more like vulnerability on both sides whereas damon and her their relationship is like they can flirt they can go to dinner and like crack a bunch of jokes and make each other laugh but like it didn't feel like they like really liked each other's personalities as much you know like so i i think that was really well written that whole romance like i, I did find it believable even though you know this guy had a, apparently a battery charge and he's asking for all these drugs and but she's into it but like I, I found that I found it believable. I, I never had like an issue with her romance with with either of those guys. I think it's because Damon's perfect on paper, right? He's like he has the respectable job. He's you know clearly he has some extra kind of money coming in because he has the nice apartment, and she's obviously you know getting old. She's in her thirties, you can tell. So I could I could see a lot of people, you know, women and men in their thirties, they'll you know maybe they'll settle down a little quicker than they would because they they haven't been dating that long when they move in, and I think maybe it's kind of like well everything everything's perfect except their sex life which is always a little fun detail that they have in there where she's like happens to a lot of guys <laughs> he's just like and damon's just totally bummed <laughs> which makes the context of the it's what yeah yeah it's working it's working overtime uh that that line <laughs> plays so much better in context of knowing that it's not working overtime yeah oh man. also for vera like her uh career now she's like the meryl streep of horror movies like if you look like after the departed She's done The Conjuring. She's done The Conjuring 2. She did Orphan, The Nun. Is she in The Conjuring like franchise, right? Yeah. like She's just turned into this. She's now like typecasted into these horror films. And I get it's like almost like clearly a career choice that she made. But I mean, I've, I've seen a couple of The Conjuring movies. I, I think she's terrific in those too. I, I, she's had a really interesting career. Like you go from The Departed to all these horror slasher ghost movies and shows also uh she played livia soprano in many saints in new york so shout and out and she did great she did a great performance i remember that now that you say i totally forgot but like all the scenes with her and like you know to young tony those are by far the best parts of that movie oh i forgot about up in the air with clooney uh, She's in that one. That's a movie yeah. I saw. I remember seeing it in theater whenever whenever it came out, and I was like, "Best movie of the year, best picture," and I've never returned to it. I don't know how it. That's like me in high school who has no work at life experience. I don't know how that movie would play now. And I'm like, "This guy's nuts. He just flies on a plane and fires people." <laughs> <laughs> but again, that's like you have to hire a Clooney, like the most unlikable like profession literally possible. How you hire a guy likable like Clooney? You'll you'll kind of root for the guy, you, you know. I'd have to rewatch it, but it feels like one of those movies that at the time it came out, it was like, oh, this is so cool. And then like a year later, it was like, there's a reason why you don't see it on network television, like replaying. Because it's like, why did why did we like this movie in the year 2009 or whatever it came out? You know, it had a big twist. I remember that was really cool. And it was like, but it's yeah, I don't know. I have not returned to it in the way that I have other movies from that time period. <laughs> yeah um should we should we jump out we, we won't spend as long in the plot this time because obviously we talked so much on it but you are you guys ready to jump into the meat meat, meat of this thing 
Oh yeah, love it. Incredible, incredible opening sequence with the Gimme Shelter and young Damon getting the uh we with just Jack's energy and everything. Oh man. And I think the 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 beauty of this, if they had made this movie in present day, they would have de-aged Jack Nicholson and it would have been very distracting, like it always is. But the 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 smart move on this is that they just put Nicholson in shadow for the entire opener and he's like still big and we know what jack nicholson looked like in the 80s kind of but so they, they they make this smart move he's in shadow he's giving you just hear him talking giving he's obviously doing the, the incredible voiceover um and you're like this guy's a real villainous kind of guy he's doing all these moves and then they save his face for the very end he leans out of the shadows and you see him he's kind of like satan almost he comes forward and i was like that is a perfect like table setting and that leads directly into like the shipping up to boston kind of stuff like and you, I don't know if you guys know, this is like a famous thing, but did you notice in the the X's throughout the movie? Um, keep an eye out for next time you watch. So Scorsese has an homage to the original Howard Hawk um, uh, Scarface from the thir- 1930. Uh, in that movie, whenever somebody's going to die, there's an X on the background or in the foreground for them. So all the characters who die always have an X motive. Like, um, And so you'll see in that opening scene, like Leo um damon all of those people have x's over them at some point even when uh, martin sheen falls from the the window there's x's with white tape on all the windows as he's falling down so it's a little mm-hmm. fun thing to look out for kind of like squares like coppola with the oranges and the godfather kind of thing that's sick i'm definitely gonna look for that um yeah the, the shipping up to boston um well that, that hits so hard because you got to think about not only is it like a great just like lyrics aside it's like the perfect song for the moment but the fact that it is the most irish boston song of all time that like we weren't no one was listening to dropkick murphy's before that i remember when this dropped like that was the thing that was the song of the summer or whatever and i was like oh, this yeah. is, that was the coolest i don't you're in the northeast brian i bet i bet it was next level it must have been pervasive yeah no it was it, it definitely got to the ad nauseum stage for me where it was like I, this song again but I do love it. I respect that the use of it in this movie, and I love it. And I, I do wonder. I think I haven't been to a Red Sox game actually in my life, but I, do they, I wonder if they still like play it, you know, at Red Sox? Because I think pa- Papelbon yeah. came out of the. They do. I'm sure they do. Right. Papelbon a- walked out uh, to it, and yeah, th- I think they probably still play it at like any Boston sporting event. They yeah, have to. Uh, but like, they weren't doing that before this movie. I feel like this movie like actually impacted Boston sports because of that song. I feel yeah. like amazing. Um, Brady, well, you mentioned the editing earlier. This is right. The shipping up to Boston right before that is the, the great edited scenes where it's like Damon is, you know, going around and he's like the hot shit new guy. And, you know, he's telling the guy, Oh, what do you like? You, you got suits at home or you look, you like coming to work looking like you're going to invade Poland every day. But that's like, juxtaposed with the Wahlberg um Leo that Leo and that like I think that the reason that um the shipping up to Boston hits so hard is because for once Dignam is like trying to be a little bit genuine with Costigan and he's like you already uh pretended to be a Sullivan from South Boston and he's like every every weekend Saj and uh, Sheen's just like, do it again for me. And then it's just, boom, the departed shipping up to Boston. And then you just got Leo 
doing the the presses with the Bibles and the, dips, doing some yeah. dips. I, and I also just love like anytime you can delay the title drop, it always plays. Yeah. <laughs> it never doesn't play. <laughs> like, and it's like 20 minutes in too. It, it like surprises me. I, I didn't remember it when I watched it this time and it came up and I was like, that was amazing. I enjoyed that so much. Yeah. It was, yeah. It gets me go that first like twenty minutes. You feel like you're just. It's almost like you're you're riding a wave or like skateboarding down a hill. All things, both things I've never done. I imagine this is what it feels like. Where you just <laughs> it just seamlessly is flowing in a way, and you're and you built. You're not not only you're getting immersed in the world, you're getting immersed in the characters, all the dynamics. You get so much exposition, even from like Leo's backstory about you know his mother dying. And he has that like conver- that harsh conversation with his uncle. So much of that, like so much information is peppered in and we we like retain all of it. That's the, the, the kind of things that you shouldn't be like him and his dipshit cousin, the the guy who's stirring the sauce in um, Goodfellas, um, <laughs> the, the little brother. What's his name? I always know he's a great actor, um, but it, it, it's it's so good. And I feel like once they finally slow down, then you're almost like they chose the perfect moment to do it. You're like, all right, now let's actually like get into the story. He's going undercover. I also, I, I, one of my favorite things is any movie where anyone's undercover. It's just inherently that sets you up for, you're going to be at least a three-star movie for me. I th- it's rare that anyone's undercover because it's just, the stakes are always so high. You just know that you're going to get like, especially when the characters are so over the top, like the fact that when Leo is sitting down with Nicholson that first time, and he's got just a hand and he's clearly Nicholson has the hand so he can fuck with him. And he like takes the ring off and he's like, said, he's like, ah, he goes a good, Mr. French is like, it was a good touch that you asked which hand he jerked off with. And Leo's to your guys point about Leo earlier, he he's doing so much eye acting where he can't like show that he's, he's clearly afraid because anybody would be afraid. Even if he wasn't an undercover cop, he would be like, what the fuck is going on? So it's that little balance of he's playing a character where you got to be a little bit afraid. You can't be too afraid, but he's also scared shitless to the point where he's rushing into the bathroom, ripping off the wire, throwing it into the water, that great little insert shot of the, you know, the the tape falling into the, the river beside it. It's just all of that plays out so quick. And he's immediately cut to him and Martin Sheen and Wahlberg just going bozo, just chewing him out. Like, cause he's very reasonable concern. He's like, I'm not wearing a wire. And Wahlberg's like, fuck you, you're a loser. And it's like, what? He, he has very reasonable concerns. That was a that was the first like big laugh this movie got out of me when when he throws the wire out of the window and they're like, oh, we lost him already. And Wahlberg just like doesn't care. The, the, that whole that whole scene is so good. I think, it, and then this is also they're they're cutting over to the Baldwin. So obviously Baldwin's the god of taking a small role and just turning that coal into a diamond. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, probably the most famous example of it. And when he's in here, I think the Wahlberg doesn't hit as well unless you have that Baldwin interaction going. Because it, it shows you that, like, Wahlberg's not insane. There is, like, people like that are all over the place <laughs> that, are on, that are operating on his level. And the fact that they, like, can insult each other. The, like, the only reason when Leo gets insulted, he fights back. When Baldwin gets insulted, he just trades back. And that's a dynamic you see with some people can like give shit and take shit and other people can't take it. Oh, but I do. I love that scene where uh, Baldwin's character and Dignam are both in there and, you know, he's doing the maybe, maybe not, maybe fuck yourself. Uh, <laughs> he's giving them the 
my theory on feds is uh, treat them like mushrooms, keep them in the dark and feed them shit. Like that whole thing. And then he leaves and Baldwin's like, he's usually very pleasant. <laughs> it's just so good. Dude, my favorite Baldwin moment, there are a lot. The driving range scene is incredible. I mean, his whole take on marriage is just so ridiculous. Um, but the, my favorite Baldwin moment by far is when they, uh, they're they doing the exchange with the Chinese guys. And they got the videos. And Baldwin is like, he grabs one of the, the policemen and like is rubbing his back. He's like, Patriot Act, baby, Patriot Act. The way he does that. <laughs> I was dying, man. That would crack me up so good. Yeah, and then the other key moment in there is when he he he's he got the the wiretapper guy. He says, hey man, can I talk to you uh, real quick on the side? And he just, <laughs> just punches him in the face. <laughs> he was like, it's so good. <laughs> I think I I, I yeah I underrate Baldwin. I, I think people always underrate Baldwin though because he's always so funny when he like he he I mean obviously he was on Thirty Rock for so long he's like done the sitcoms but like he's kind of like a secret element. If you have him in your movie and you have a well written role he will just take it and take it to another level. Cause I don't think, I don't think anyone similar to Nicholson. I don't see anyone else doing what he does with that role to that level as well. Yeah. Uh, hopefully these, I mean, I, I enjoyed Baldwin in the departed separating that from whatever the hell happened last year on the set. Of that movie. I mean, I'm not even going to get into it. And, and, and I, yeah, I know. I'm just saying, uh, <laughs> just separating that from the two. I guess. Uh, so, I, well, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this, um, you know, like you said, we get to the, the the microprocessors part. Was this is this an all time cell phone movie? Like the the oh, flip yeah. phones, the flip phones that they have in this movie are phenomenal, and maybe the most impressive thing anyone does in this movie, maybe in movie history, is Damon being able to text Costello no phones without taking his phone out of his pocket we used to be able to do that people forget we could all do that i'm with you brady i think when you watch this movie now a lot of people will probably say like that's there's no way that's possible it was possible i used to test that all the time in my phone and like even during like high school i would like have my cell phone i'd take a quick look at the keypad and then i'd be able to like try to text someone it didn't always work but it is possible it's possible it's possible but but like it, let's say that he's not like the last text or whatever. You'd have to scroll down, find who, find like where he was. You know, it it, it was a ballsy move. No, 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 it, no, it, it works, and I think it's interesting. A lot of people talk about how the reason a lot of our great masters nowadays, you know, like the Scorseses, the QTs, um, Spielberg, they all make a lot of period pieces because they say cell phones inherently are uncinematic. And props to Scorsese for making them cinematic. Now, nowadays, it's even tougher because you can just con- track wherever anything goes, you know, with the iPhones and whatnot. But he, this is the the pivotal, like, no movie from this era does cell phones better, I think, period. Even when they, and it, and it has some logicals that don't make sense. Like, he's in the porno theater. It's not making any sounds um, when he's getting texts. And then when he's outside, it's the loudest text noise in the world. Doesn't matter. Because in the logic of the movie, it worked. The scene plays. It's like that's one of the great little foot chase sequences. Also, the Bozo music cue when Nicholson turns around with a dildo in his hand, and it's like, <laughs> what, what, wow! And you're like, where did that come from? <laughs> it's absolutely the fact that Nicholson, the like, you got to imagine his character Costello. It was like, 
oh, I'm going to go buy a dildo and play the greatest prank on this guy. Unless he's got him. I wouldn't put it past him. Maybe he has him lying around. But the idea that he's like, this is going to be great. I'm just a great bit I'm going to use on this guy. I, I'm pretty sure that that was a Nicholson idea. There, there are yeah. like a lot of scenes in this where Nicholson was like, I want to do this. And then Scorsese was like, yeah, go for it. There's yeah. a great day. And you can watch an interview where he tells a story about the scene where um, Nicholson shoots the the people in the that opening monologue. He shoots them on the beach and look it up. Just like find that it, it, he does a great bit of uh, like Nicholson explaining how well it'd be funnier if I do it this way. And he does then a Nicholson perform uh, impression. I wish I was great at impressions. I think that's the coolest thing if people can give good impressions. And whenever an actor, I'm such a sucker. And when Damon starts doing the Nicholson impression, I'm like that's so dope. Yes. Uh, but then I get, like, how do you do a Nick? Uh, how do you do a Damon impression? I don't know. He, I don't know if you can even do him. Uh, yeah, I mean, he does an insane McConaughey too. I mean, and, and that the, the, literally talented Mr. Ripley is just based on Damon being able to do impressions really That's a well. Point. That's a very good point. <laughs> um, but the, the, to me, like when I think of The Departed, I think of like the shot of when Damon picks up. I think it's Queen and Queen and cell phone after he's dead. And like he opens it up and the cell phone still had blood on it. And he like presses the call button and you see like the blood smear on the that that the like I just remember that like that that's a huge moment for the flip phone. I think, yeah, it's funny. A guy we haven't given a shout out yet is Mr. French Ray Winstone. Um, Uh My favorite movie of him is Sexy Beast, uh, one of the great voices in movies. And I do love that one little line where they're like. (laughs) Where Leo's like, is that his real name? And he's like, no, that's <laughs> not his real name. <laughs> real name, French. Okay. Do you think that they took the inspiration of calling him Mr. French from Mr. Deeds when Deeds calls the one guy? He looks like Mr. French. <laughs> that would be insane. I mean, Deeds did it. Mr. Deeds did it first. Uh, that's all I'm saying. So maybe Scorsese. Mr. Deeds ran, walked so that the, the party could run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, in all serious though, uh with Mr. French, I mean, I think the most memorable scene in this whole movie is the cranberry juice scene. And <laughs> when Mr. French, like the whole speech of there are some guys that you can hit and there's some guys you can't hit. That guy's not quite a guy you can't hit. Like that that whole scene I love so much. It's just it's And then he then the line he's like, What were you drinking? Cranberry juice, what are you on your period? It's such a great <laughs> full circle little little button, perfect little button at the end of it. Yeah. You're right, right. At the like a lot of this is just guys being dudes. Like it, you know, it's just these seedy dudes hanging out like um uh what's his name? Uh Fitzy. Fitzy and Delahunt. Like the whole like, oh, are you a cop? The you know, most good looking women are cops, you know, like they're <laughs> <laughs> anyway, like, yes. When Fitzy's just like it must have been a big fucking dog. I buried the guy all night. <laughs> like he's just I'm so embarrassed, mate. <laughs> I'm a- I, I was just looking up one of the actors' names, and I had a, a striking realization. Did you guys notice during that scene where they're all sitting around the table, um, and it's uh, the opening of Baldwin giving the rundown of like uh, Costello and his crew? There's a guy that looks like one of the Wahlbergs. And they say, like, this guy's running point. And I was like, that guy looks like one of the Wahlbergs. I just looked it up. It's their brother. That's, yeah, that is Robert Wahlberg. (laughs) He is, in fact, that was him. He's he's the fifth Wahlberg brother. 
or oh, one of them. That's so sick. That's like when you see a. I think his name is is it Andrew Wilson? Owen Owen Wilson? Yes, and Luke Future Man, yeah, Future Andrew. Man and Bottle Rocket. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. I love that forum because because Paul Wahlberg he got Wahlburgers, um, <laughs> and now they got full circle. The only apparently there's another one, Jim Wahlberg. He's the only one I haven't seen in any movies that I'm aware of. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I'm a big uh, for also just for a little little insight. I'm a I'm a huge. If you guys don't know, I, I am a big Wahlberg head. Go watch on uh, HBO Max or now it's just called Max. Go watch his reality show, Wall Street. W A H L Street. It's about <laughs> his business side hustles. I watched that in like two days and i went on and then christmas uh happened so i went back home for christmas i sat my father down and i'm like we're watching wall street even he was enamored it's the most bozo show because the guy he makes like 30 he's like worth like 30 million dollars he has no reason to have side hustles but in the show he's like oh i gotta i i i gotta have uh businesses to give down to my children and like no you don't your children don't need to inherit your businesses this makes zero sense and all the businesses are failing and literally the opening opening episode is like covid hitting so it's just everything's crumbling they've had two seasons i'm excited for the third shout out to lex g on lex g podcast he's the one to put me on it um definitely worth checking out it's it's one of the great reality shows of all time but great one of the one of our great bozos also if you don't follow mark Wahlberg on instagram you need to be doing that too because he's just he does he basically he runs two plays but he runs them to perfection it's him talking about how his tequila is the best tequila in the world and then Fletcher Azul say it say it say, put the promo right Fletcher Azul Fletcher Azul N- number one number one tequila out there and uh then his other big move is stopping in front of churches and doing the sign of the cross and then saying stay prayed up and just like random, <laughs> random municipal. He he just pre- pushes his brand and pushes Jesus Christ. That's all he's ever, and, he, and he's pushing it constantly. Go to his Instagram. He makes multiple posts a day, just promo of all his different businesses. It's an, he literally came to nowhere, South Carolina, to to push to push his Fletcher, his tequila. It was wild. I was like following him. I was like, shit, I could drive and go see him. He's just stopping at a local grocery store. He's insane. He's he literally he's like wakes up at 3 a.m. to work out, makes all his business associates work out with him so he can just bust their balls. It's incredible. <laughs> but but back to his performance. Um also hair corner. We gotta give a hair corner. Uh Wahlberg's haircut in this is borderline bozo, and I love it. It's no, so no. I don't think it's borderline. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> It's absolutely nuts. I don't know if it's a wig or what's going on with it um, because they have, there's a lot of the 2006 hair. Damon and Leo had that same short on the sides, you know, little flip at the top. It's a, it's a movie of its time in the best ways. I mean, Jack's hair is always outstanding. Like his hair there. I I just like, I remember just when he uh, is in the movie theater and his his hair, it like it looks like he hasn't showered in months. It's like obviously at this point he's pretty much just the sides god, but the sides are extremely oily and like popping out every which way. His hair is just insane. Uh and yeah. then French, obviously. Mr. French has like the 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 slick like ponytail look. He's he's looking great. The, the, there's some outstanding hair in this film. 
Absolutely. I mean, you guys are dogging Wahlberg's hair in this movie. Hon- honestly, when I don't get a haircut, that's kind of what it looks like for me. It's and I, when I get too long, I I got to get to the barber quick because I start to look like Wahlberg in The Departed. It's not a bad look. It's it's, it's a look. It's a look. It's definitely a look. Leo also. I mean, hey, real quick though, while we're in the hair corner, we can do the wardrobe corner too. I mean. <laughs> We can debate Nicholson's performance, but we cannot debate Nicholson's outfits throughout this movie. I mean, it's, it's just always incredible. When they're doing the microprocessor deal and he's got the bucket hat and, like, the yellow glasses. And then when he's – the angels or whatever are singing to him. Like, he's got that kid's choir that he goes to. And he's got the lilac blazer on. It's like there were multiple outfits he was wearing in this that I was like, I need that outfit. Oh, when he dies cool. and he just has the Irish shirt – you're just like yes that's great it's fantastic my personal favorite one was like i said the let it loose scene when he's with leo he's wearing a uh a uh gray blazer and a cheetah tie like a cheetah (laughs) cheetah print tie it's just it's ridiculous i mean it's very cool i mean and even they have like damon plays the greatest but like like uh loser corporate guy when some scenes he's wearing the suit but other times he's just wearing the khakis with the tucked in polo yeah <laughs> you're like this fucking loser <laughs> showing up i mean it's just like he looked like he works at best buy <laughs> like Wahlberg's got the the tucked in uh dress shirt that's obviously too big for him like a really big early 2000s tie and the suspenders usually like i mean the, the yeah. wardrobe role even um even the psychiatrist has some some great mid-2000s fashion i love it i love it i think there's nothing harder than a lady in a, in a in a pantsuit like that she just totally looks so cool i think it's like the ultimate baller move she controls a room when she she has that gray suit i think when, when damon first meets her i think she looks so cool I'm like, yeah. that's like the the most baller kind of flex you can do. It's kind of like Jackie Brown when she puts on the suit and Jackie Brown. I'm like, that's like the, the ideal coolest way uh, a lady can, can look. This is a commonly known thing, I think, but maybe you guys are unaware, I guess. I don't know. But Nicholson refused to wear a Boston Red Sox hat. Did you know that? I did not. Why? I've heard the, the, the Affleck <laughs> thing. Because like, he hates I've heard that. Affleck doesn't wear the New York Yankees hat for Fincher, but I never heard this one. Oh, yeah. No, Jack Nicholson made a whole thing about it. He's like, I'm not wearing the Red Sox hat uh, for this movie. I refuse because I'm not a Sox fan. So he like he put his foot down and said, there's absolutely no way I'm wearing the Red I'm wearing a Red Sox hat. Is he a Dodgers hat. guy? Yeah, I don't know. We all know he's a Laker. He's like the king of the Lakers. He, he, he <laughs> Which I, I respect the hell out of that. Like, I mean, I'm not an actor and I don't have a career like Jack Nicholson's, but if I did at that stage of my career and you asked me to put on like a Phillies hat or like an Atlanta Braves hat, I'd be like, I'm not doing your movie. Sorry. So it turns out Jack Nicholson is a Yankees fan, which I think kind of, you can't be a Lakers fan and a Yankees fan. Was he a Cowboys fan when it comes to football? I, I don't love that. Yeah. That's, that's the only strike I've ever heard against Nicholson. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's tough. Um, it makes me respect the the banning of the Red Sox hat more, though. Like, at least he's not just some baseball fan or Dodgers fan or something that said, "No, I won't wear a Red it's Sox." Fair. I like that. I give him that. I just, I, I was hoping he'd be like, he's so old. Like, would it, would it be like, it was he Brooklyn Dodgers era? So he's like, ah, I'm not going to steal the, Do- <laughs> the Dodgers from the New York. 
who knows um but um, so I, I do i want to talk about one more guy because we've been talking guys a lot i want to talk about the shithead cousin is played by kevin corrigan listen to this guy's run he plays the the cousin uh in the departed in 06 in 07 he is uh in super bad he's the guy who hosts the party in the wearing the brazil soccer jersey and pineapple then, express. then in 08 he does pineapple express he's the bad guy he just wants to go have dinner with his wife yeah. <laughs> that's an insane he's one of the all-timers insane run so just shout out to kevin He's fantastic. Even like we haven't shouted out um, uh, Anthony uh, Anthony Anderson. Oh yeah, he's good. Yeah. He's that like, great. Like, I mean, probably the one of the funny funniest laugh lines where he's like, where where Leah he does his whole story, and then Leah's like, your boy, your your uh, your mother sounds like a terrific person or something or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of the great lines. He, um, he's I, awesome. This era was like Transformers Anthony Anderson too, or like I feel like he was kind of just like the comedic role. I feel like maybe I'm getting my like time periods mixed up, but I, I feel like this was one of the first time we saw like an Anthony Anderson more like serious role. And I thought he was terrific in this. I thought he was really good too. I like the, the scene on the roof when Leo is making a citizen's arrest of Matt Damon. <laughs> Anthony Anderson's like, drop your weapons and step away from Captain Sullivan. <laughs> it's just <laughs> incredible. It's this movie kicks ass because like, any any single character if you just like name it i can just rattle off a quote that they say that like either gives me like spine like shivers down my spine or just cracks me up i can't remember what the british guy's name is who's so good where he's like mom i'm not gonna make it to dinner that's uh uh, (laughs) that's fitzy david o'hara is patrick fitzy fitzgibbons He's fantastic. I don't know he's supposed to be Irish or British. Um, he's Scottish apparently in real life. So I don't know if he's using a Scottish accent. I'm a, my accent radar isn't isn't fantastic, if you can believe it. Um, the whole dumping the body at the marsh scene, and we've already talked about it for a second, but it's just so his his performance in that scene is just so good. I'm embarrassed, Matt. Like it's. So good. <laughs> and then uh, Nicholson just keeps yelling at him, and he laughs. And then Jack, <laughs> don't laugh. It's so funny. Man. Like, don't laugh. This is a reality TV. And like, I don't even, I've never understood what that line means. This isn't reality TV, but it's so good still. Dude, that was a tremendous Jack Nicholson impersonation. Maybe you uh, could have played this role. Nah, <laughs> wish. You know what? Try to kind of, I, I, I wish I had rewatched it. I was trying to before the, uh, the pod, but I didn't get a chance to. I watched it way back when uh, Infernal Affairs, the movie that this, because this is a remake uh, yeah, yeah. Of, the, of the Hong Kong uh, action thriller, which has a bunch of sequels. I'm, I'm interested in pursuing this just because it has like three sequels. Um, is, it, is that movie in Chinese? It's a trilogy. It's a it's a trilogy in Chinese. Yeah, I remember I watched it way back when I didn't. Uh, I, I as Tony Long, who's you know incredible actor, and I remember liking it, thinking, uh, you know, the Scorsese take on it was a little better. I, there was a period where people were trying to say it was uh, uh, the original was better. I think people kind of come around on it, but it's still considered a you know like one of the great movies. Um, Apparently, it ranked number 30 on Empire Magazine's 100 Best Films of World Cinema uh, back in 2010. So I, I want to give it another shot, especially just because anytime 
you have like a trilogy that's like oh that's interesting because this world is so interesting and i would and now that i've had some time away from it uh, seeing someone approach the same material uh being the first ones to do it because like these performances are so like large seeing someone take on these characters in a t- totally different light that's interesting like i want to see the guy playing nicholson's role like how does that translate because i mean i'm sure i'm sure it's fantastic because the movie's uh well regarded um I, but that's why this was nominated. This was nominated for best supporting uh, screenplay a lot, and it won, beating out Borat, because um, Borat was originally spun off of the Ali G show, so it was also uh, adapted screenplay. Adapted. Rules. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know which one uh, would I would give it to because I think that original Borat movie, few people people can't remember. Seeing that in theater, it got played out because people kept on saying "My wife" too much. That few times has anyone laughed as hard in that theater? The theater was mayhem. No one could believe what was happening on screen when that movie first dropped. Uh, all right i've got to like go ahead go ahead oh i was just gonna say like i i obviously was not on the set of this movie but when you watch it it just feels like they must have had fun filming this like it seems like everybody's kind of delivering a, a really great performance but one that is not like it's almost like they're relaxed like they're just like let me just let me just let it rip let me do my thing like, it feels that way. And I think Scorsese had the same approach himself. I feel like in this movie, Scorsese was, like, not even thinking about Oscars. I think he was just making this movie. He's like, let's just have some fun. Let it rip. This is going to be, like, a popcorn, more enjoyable movie. I would say more accessible movie from Scorsese. But I think that it just worked so well. It, it just It's like, so it feels like it would have been so fun to be on this set. I so do not think it. he like went into this thinking it was going to be his the movie that gave him his Oscar. I don't think I, I think he definitely just approached this as going to be like I'm making the best you know crime movie I can make, and it has you know a great script. But I, there's no way he thought this was going to be the one. Yeah, what, and this been... is this is after the Aviator too, which you I feel like the Aviator was his swing. Exactly. The Aviator That's... was the one I'm sure he thought would be the one. Same with Leo. Leo obviously he was trying to get that Oscar for a while, and Leo I think I watched that re- I rewatched it recently. His performance in that is like it's amazing. Yeah, it's next level. Cool. Just yeah, John C. Riley. All every I, I love that movie. I, I was I think that movie's kind of slept on. Gangs in New York was the one they did before this. I think that's kind of like another one they thought maybe would have had a better shot at being the Oscar player. Especially you got Daniel Day Lewis, you know, giving in like a Nicholson esque like over the top crazy performance that I love to see. Um, but this, I think, this is kind of the thing where everything just locked in perfect. It was all the performances, and it's funny because I think. I don't know this one's best picture without the twist ending where Leo gets killed. Everyone gets killed. And I, it, it kind of bumped me almost this time. And I'm not, I, 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 last time we were probably a little harsh where we were talking about like the things that we would, uh, I, I led the charge on it of the things I would change in the movie. And I don't want to be that guy that's like pointing out plot consistencies. It makes no sense for Leo to leave. Once he sees the envelope, the citizens trust uh, envelope, he, there's no reason for him to go rogue right there. He could just be like, all right, give me my money and then just go talk to somebody because they all know that he's the informant. But he's just like, goes, he just disappears. But I give it a pass because it sets up that great cavalcade of twist after twist where he arrests Damon. He has the tape. Uh, Anthony Anderson shows up. Anthony Anderson gets shot. All the things just happen so abruptly. And then you get that beautiful Wahlberg moment at the end. And so- this is where, go ahead, John. This I wanted to get into this moment, the Wahlberg moment. How does am I missing something? I've seen this movie a lot. How does Wahlberg know that Sullivan is the rat? 
I think he's a good enough detective and he figures it out. I like it, it makes sense. I, I never questioned that. I think yeah, it, I never questioned it. Yeah. It could it, even be I mean, if you want to go down that path, it could be uh Vera Farminga. Yeah. Uh that envelope. That's a possibility. But I also think there's enough information there where he knew he knows that Leo well, he does frame Leo as the hero, which is smart because he knows that Wahlberg would so he, he kinda like does the perfect crime almost where he like has everything in place. But I think Wahlberg but, either yeah, felt it out or not. At that stage, it's like anybody that comes close to Damon is either dead or has had some kind of issues. And I think at that stage, it's like, okay, something's up with this guy. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a stretch at all to believe that Wahlberg figured out that that he's the rat. I think once Queening gets killed because he's getting followed, Wahlberg would follow that thread and figure out like why you didn't really suspect Queening I mean, was the rat. Like, and also, what do you guys think? Like the biggest controversy. I now this is something I've seen a lot of people discuss, and I'm starting to see people turn on this. People were uh, for the longest time they always hate on this movie because of the rat they show at the end, right in front of the you know Capitol building, the the gold dome, and then the rat walks on. They thought that was too heavy handed. It is bozo. Oh. I think it plays. I totally think it plays. It's great. It's like it's just gonna be because that's this isn't an Oscar movie. They, he made this as like a, a great crime movie, and it's. Oh, it's putting the exclamation point on it, but I think it's just like it's a little cutesy, but I think it totally plays. I think it's like, fuck yeah, we're rolling out on that image. I agree. The, to me, this movie is like if Scorsese it's like Scorsese making more of a popcorn movie. It's almost like a Michael Bay movie, but done by what maybe the greatest director, like one of the greatest directors of all time, like in a way. Because that's just how I feel about it. And the ending, like I'm I love it. I love the rat. Also, it's, I think it's pretty heavy-handed when Matt Damon walks through the elevator and he tries to pet the dog. He's like, hey, pup. <laughs> the old lady like, pulls it away from him. I'm like, okay, something, something bad's about to happen. But I love it, though. Like, it's I, just, I don't know, man. Just so much happens in this movie. It, there's so many scenes, so many cuts. It's just so chaotic, but it's so fun to watch. It's so entertaining. Yeah, I was going to mention the dog thing. I love that. Dogs have the best intuition. Knew that Damon was a scumbag. Um, and they have that great moment where Damon puts his head up against the door right before and everyone's been there when they've had like a tough week or a tough day and they just have that moment of deflation and then he opens the door thinking he's in a safe place and then you just have Wahlberg with the booties on and you're just <laughs> like yes <laughs> finally we're getting what we want and he's just like and then Damon's that great little touch of performance where he's like okay and then he shoots yeah. him <laughs> and you're like he's about to try to explain his way out of it again yeah and then when he drops i think he's resigned i don't think he's gonna explain himself i think he, at that point he knows it's over he's like oh okay um he's accepting it the um he drops the groceries and like six croissants fall out like damon's definitely got a croissant problem in this movie. <laughs> she calls yeah, him french and... donuts earlier doesn't she yeah that actually kind of annoyed me i was like beignets to me are french donuts not croissants I was it's like, Boston, it's oh. Boston, they don't know. <laughs> you know. I was like, come on, Vera. I was like, when I think of French donuts, I think of beignets, not croissants, but whatever. Also, one little moment that I got to give to Damon, too, is uh, I, the, the the big uh, Leo pointing at the screen moment, you know, that gif, was uh, I love whenever you drop the title, when when Damon, ah. this is so heavy-handed, what was the name of the departed? <laughs> and then you they the script and he holds on oh, I was like, yes, I'm just pumping my fist. I'm like, yeah, let's do let's do this. You know, you know what's amazing too is like I was thinking about this when I watched it last night. You he says the name of like the departed or whatever. This movie could have had so many titles. And the departed, like, it's a perfect title, but it's such a like 
small part. I got a lot of people die, I guess. A lot of people depart in this movie. But like, it's funny that they chose that as a title. I think it's really creative and I think it's really well done. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, before we get into our scoring, Brady, you got a, an accompaniment for this film? All right, for the time for the double feature. Um, did a lot of thoughts. I was I looked at a few uh, undercover movies, you know, people going undercover and there's some obvious picks in that front. But then I then I had a realization there's only really one choice. It's maybe this is a little obvious, but um, this film is 1973, The Friends of Eddie Coyle, uh, directed by P, uh, by Peter Yates, uh, starring Robert Mitchum, one of my favorite actors. Uh, Out of the Past is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, he also stars in that. Uh, but this movie, it's it's before The Departed. This was the Boston crime movie, and uh, Robert Mitchum, he was a big guy in the noirs of the 40s and 50s. And then this, by the time 73 comes along, he's just very grizzled. Um, Peter Boyle's in it playing a great role. But b- basically, he plays a gun runner who gets busted, and they need him to turn on his own crime things. And the the, the joke kind of is, it's called The Friends of Eddie Coyle. He doesn't have any friends. <laughs> so it's kind of like um, very Boston. I think there's a scene where they go to a Bruins game. Yeah, they do. Yeah, it's in the Boston Garden. And you're like... Uh, and I love 70s movies whenever they have sports f- footage because, you know, they went to an actual game and stuff. Um, but definitely worth checking out. Uh, very gritty 70s. Peter Yates, he directed Bullet, um, Breaking Away. He's he's one of the great directors. So I think that's a perfect pairing to go with uh, The Departed. Uh, that's called The Friends of Eddie Coyle. Awesome. Yeah, so we'll be sure to check that one out. I got a quick quick pairing, too. We talked about this with Inglorious Bastards. So I think we got to throw out the the uh imbibe pairing the beer or uh alcohol or whatever the drink that you would pair with this movie unfortunately i I think the obvious choice is going to be a cranberry juice or a cranberry vodka um but yeah that's my pairing do you guys have any other thoughts on on a pairing on the the drink i will i will say this i gotta give props to my father growing up before the craft beer trend he always had the Samuel Adams Boston Lager before, like back when there's only like five choices. Now he did, now he goes more craft. But back in the day, he always had the Samuel Adams Boston Lager, and I think that's kind of kind of sick that that beer's still floating around in the ether. I was gonna that's say, like, I was gonna say Sam Adams, but also one of my favorite parts of this movie is when um, Jack is telling Leo, "Come with me. I'm not the cops. I'm not asking you." And he just does a shot. So he just basically his his order is a shot and a Budweiser. <laughs> just that's what he always has rolling with him, a shot and a Budweiser. So that'd be pretty good too. The Boilermaker, that's a classic. That's a working man's drink right there. Yeah. All right. So let's get into the scoring. I uh, want to break it down, Brady. Okay. Yeah. So the way we score things, it's either uh, three different levels. There's not the goat, one of the goats, and the goat. Uh I consider personally, I, I I view one of the goats as a three and a half out of four star movie. Means very solid, loved it. Uh, a goat is a four out of four star movies, and anything below it doesn't say we're not saying it's a we're not saying it's a bad movie by any means. We're just saying it's not on the level of a three and a half four star. Maybe I mean uh, each of us can choose our own scoring in their own way. I feel like you guys have a little bit different uh, way way you view it than I do. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that that's how we do it. Oh, we also have Good Everest. I forgot. Uh, dare I say, Good Everest is if all all three of us uh, name something the goat, then it goes on Good Everest. And as it stands, we only have two, I believe. Um, those are Point Break and Raiders of the Lost Ark. 
Yep. All right, Brian, you want to kick it off? Yeah, I guess. I'm like, again, I'm on, I'm on the fence here. I don't want to – coming into this, I, I think even when we discussed watching this movie, I told John, I was like, oh, there's so many better Scorsese movies. Don't pick that. But um, I'm so glad you picked it because this movie grew on me so much during this rewatch. In a way, I, I think it – like the. I think it was a movie ahead of its time. Um, and not because of, not because it's like brilliantly written or any of that. It's more so like the pacing of the movie and the entertainment factor. I feel like it's way ahead of its time. And it's done by one of the greatest directors of all time in Scorsese. So it's like a fun movie with a ton of integrity that is written well. It's acted well. It's, it includes some of the greatest actors and actors of our time. Um, there's just so much like fun going on this particular time when I watched it, there was more like dark comedy than I remembered. Like there's a lot of humor in this movie that I think I underestimated. Um, so I, I mean, I can't believe that like before watching this, I was like almost in the not a goat category, but I'm, I think I'm going to say it's the goat. Um, I would say it's like, I don't know what to even call it. Like, it's the GOAT uh, Scorsese popcorn movie, I guess I would call it. I mean, it's not my favorite Scorsese movie, let me be clear, but it, it's up there. Like, after watching it this time, I was like, you know what? This movie's incredible. I love it. Brady? I love that. I love to hear that. I, I was on, honestly, I was in a little bit of a similar boat as you. I didn't have it as in low esteem, but I definitely did not consider it like a top five scorsese movie for me um this rewatch it def definitely grew in esteem um it's 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 what you just talked about it's it's the humor i texted you guys when um i was watching it i said it's like watching an all-star game but for acting um and double that with the editing i think this is one of the best edited movies that especially that first half it just the way it moves um the scripts obviously it's so tight I don't know. It was t- it was tough because I, I like I did say like I don't know and I still don't know if it's like a top five because Scorsese I think he's one of the he's dare I say he's one of the goats, um, if not the goat and he's one of my favorite uh, filmmakers and he has so much that I love. But I just there's the 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 amount of pleasure I had watching it where it, it delivers emotionally it's so funny, um, it moves along at such a clip I don't think we're seeing a lot of movies being made be entertaining movies being made on this level like this. Like, cause I, I mean, this is basically my favorite genre. I love a crime thriller. Um, and especially I love the humor. That's what I think sets Scorsese apart from everyone else. I think the, like a movie, like, you know, say a black mass or something, what it lacks is the humor that this brings to the table. And I think uh, Scorsese does that like, you know, he obviously good fellows. I think like, I have a tough decision between if like uh casino and Wolf of wall street, I feel like those are his two purest comedies, which I don't think if you go rewatch casino, it is a comedy. For I, I feel like almost like as much as it is a gangster movie, it is a comedy, and it's wild because it's a three-hour comedy, which that's not usually shouldn't work, but it works. Um, and so it's a lot different than Goodfellas, and I think people re- realize. But that that's all I say. I, dare I say I ramble? I'm a Nicholson guy. I don't think I think people have kind of forgotten. You know, you you see the De Niro Pacino conversation, but since Nicholson's been retired for a minute, I don't think he gets that kind of talk. He's he's very close to Leo, where he just has a great 
taste in movies that he picks um you know go even before he uh he's drives or five five easy pieces that's one of his great films and i'm just gonna say it i'm gonna uh, I, I, i'm avoiding getting to it it's a goat i'm giving it the goat uh boston movie i'm putting this i think this Whoa. is the goat boston movie I, I I think it uh, it just does it for me. I know I, I, the, the the town heads are going to be coming after me, uh, but uh, I think oh I I can see John he he's got his pitchfork out for fever pitch, but, <laughs> but I, I think yeah it's the Goat Boston movie for me. I think it's definitely um, this sounds crazy to say it's oh it's in my top ten Scorsese and and that might sound like I'm downplaying it. That's a solid list. I don't know where it would fall in it, but I think, yeah, I think it's a really quality movie. It's one of the great crime thrillers. I think it kind of hurt itself by winning Best Picture, which caused people to kind of react on it. But now that I'm returning to it with fresh eyes, absolute blast. Love the movie. It's the go. I think John would actually say Summer Catch, not Fever Pitch, but sorry. I mean, any either one. (laughs) (laughs) Did you guys know Brad Pitt produced this movie? I noticed yeah. that in the credits that got me pumped up. I, credit to him to being like, I'm good not being in it. I love that form. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you guys said it all, really. Brady, you equating it to an all-star game is it's so true with with the uh the cast. And Brian, when you said you could just tell that like they were having fun, like you could, like you just Jack was having the time of his life playing this role, I feel like. And you know. Wahlberg just like was owning the fact that he was going to be playing like the world's biggest asshole and like just have these incredible lines. He basically like he told his brother to eat shit like his actual brother he probably just cast him in that role specifically so he could say that to him. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, like Damon and Leo, like I love those guys. Those are just, you know, Brady to tie it full circle, come back to the Chalamet guys like Damon and Leo are my guys. They're who I grew up with. They're they're the guys. And you just Scorsese, the decisions he makes with the shooting and the editing and the sound mixing and all of it. It's just so perfect. Everyone was perfectly cast. I, you know, Damon plays hateable so, so well. Um yeah, I'm going to say that it's the GOAT, and it's probably the GOAT of repeat usage of the same song in multiple times in the same movie. <laughs> but yeah, it's the GOAT. It's, it's up there on GOAT Everest, The Departed. I mean, I will never have a bad time watching this movie. It's something about it gets me, like a different thing gets me every single time. And yeah, I love it. I love it. Play like the that's the good Everest music. I don't know. We could actually get actual music. But yeah, now it's it sits atop good Everest. What a beautiful the in the high altitude, the balmy skies. It's a beautiful thing. To to kind of like wrap up our thoughts and the way we're thinking about this, I kind of think we're all agreeing that this is Scorsese's most entertaining movie. I mean, uh Wolf of Wall Uh, Street. Goodfellas is up there. I don't know. Goodfellas is a fun watch. <laughs> Even uh, now that I say that, I mean, Wolf of Wall Street, I think, is is pretty darn entertaining. Goodfellas is my, probably my, no, Raging Bull is my favorite. Goodfellas is probably number two, very close. I, mean, I love Mean but, Streets. That's the thing is I can just keep going, like King of Comedy. Every, he's just, I'll even shout out Kundu, and I like Kundu. <laughs> yeah. Silence. 
Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, Silence is a great movie. I don't know. I think I just yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's not not entertaining. I mean, Color of Money is so entertertaining. It's I mean, safe to say, this is- you know, Color of Money is like my secret sleeper. Like Color of Money is one of my favorite movies of all time. I think it's like the greatest sequel ever made. Um, I yeah, I just uh, I I can't get enough of it. But that's this just this. This isn't going to be the last Scorsese movie that we cover. No, I mean, and really this not. just that's a credit to him. The fact that we said, you know, this could be his most entertaining, and then just throughout, I mean, Casino is phenomenal. But like, the seven minute, can't you hear me knocking? Where it's just Pesci going nuts all over town. Like, yeah, that's what's crazy. Yeah. Like, does anybody in the world actually know how to pronounce his name? Because it's Scorsese, and then it's Scorsese, and then it's Scorsese. It goes back and forth. When, it goes back and forth. When he says it in Entourage, when he's talking to Vince on the phone to get him to come play Gatsby, he says Scorsese. Does he? Okay, yeah. we gotta we gotta stick to Scorsese, I guess. I feel like we're we're noobs for saying that it's Scorsese. Then I'm trying to think. Yeah, like uh, he does the document. He does like he he does he has some great documentaries as well, and he has the 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 uh, Italian American documentary where he just interviews his parents. Um, and I I need to go back there because I'm sure they say the name at some point because they just tell like it's. It's just him literally sitting there while his, while his mother cooks like the pasta sauce, and his dad's just like, ah, oh, he's an old grump, and he's just interviewing him on the, and then it's like you know they got the plastic over the the, the furniture. It's, it's worth worth checking out. Worth checking out. That's all I'm saying. What a legend. So just one last little thing. I know I I've belabored on it probably too much, but Scorsese and the Stones. I read this that um, a month after shooting The Departed, he shot a Rolling Stones concert for a documentary of them called shine a light and they did not play gimme shelter and keith richards said that that was probably the first movie scorsese ever made which gimme shelter did not appear i thought that was there hilarious <laughs> there we go oh you forget right. the last thoughts you know our uh, r.i.p robbie robertson he just passed away um one of the greats the last waltz one of the great um movie uh sorry music uh concerts live concerts i don't know it's a documentary concert that's my favorite, maybe. It's between that and Stop Making Sense from the Talking Heads. Um, just the master. Scorsese is the master. He is. All right, Brian. What uh, do the folks have to look forward to for next? Uh, so I f- don't know why. I guess I'm on a sci-fi kick, much like Brady was kind of on a World War II movie kick. Um, so we're going to go back to a classic that has been brought up on this podcast a few times. And we're going to do Blade Runner. Um, which I'm very excited about. It's more Harrison Ford. Um, great movie. So please, uh, there's several different cuts of it. Um, but we'll I be think talking we- about them. We'll be talking about the different yeah. cuts. Keep, yeah. the, people don't know this. The theatr- If you don't know, the theatrical cut that was originally re- released has a voiceover from Harrison Ford, and that has been excised from all subsequent uh, releases. So that's a little interesting. And the preferred version, most versions people have seen does not have the voiceover because... Nobody saw it when it was in theaters. It was one of those uh, uh, classics that got lost in the shuffle of the box office at the time. Awesome. Yeah, well, we'll see you next time for Blade Runner. Uh, be sure to follow us on all our socials at Movie Goats Pod. And uh, thanks for coming out for The Departed. Uh, you know, enjoy a cranberry juice. Matt. <laughs>